Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Clarks. I'm your co-host, Davian Brabham. And I'm your other co-host, Tyler Duncan. And today we have another really special guest with us to talk with us about, you know, her journey, her life, her career. Um, she is the visiting professor at the Crane School of Music. Um, she's also a member of the Postman Brass Quintet. She's done a lot of research about um, musicians' health and uh, musicians uh, doing yoga for trumpet players and, and for musicians. So we're really, really excited to talk to her today. Her name is Brienne, or excuse me, Dr. Brienne Borden. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. me. You do not have to call me doctor. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, put some respect on your name. So that's right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Joining us today. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, but you know, before we get into you know talking, you know, asking you questions that we want to know about, you know, Tyler and I, we got to talk about the most important, well, one of the most important things to us, which is coffee. Um, and I don't know if you are a coffee drinker or not, but if so, are, are, are you a coffee drinker? Yes, I'm very much a coffee drinker. What, what are you drinking today? Okay, so today, well, this is my second cup today. Oh, um, wow. But this is my first cup of the day. I'm about to sound a little bit bougier than I actually am in real life. But <laughs> my first cup is usually a Chemex um, pour over. Yeah, but second cup, especially because it's June, it's warm out. It's humid. Um, I have a, the chameleon cold brew um, oh with some frothed oat milk. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. So the Chemex and then, okay, it's something a little, I, that's, that's impressive because this, you know, for people who don't know, we're recording this still, it's still morning time. So the fact that you're in your second cup, much respect. <laughs> well, <laughs> It is, it is also ITG week and I had a session at 7.30. So I've been up for a, for yeah. a bit. <laughs> nice. That's fair. Um, so Tyler, what are you drinking today? Okay, so on the last episode, I talked about Pure Intentions Coffee. That's the brand of the, the beans. And uh, I actually bought the same bag again, just because I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. So I'm actually still drinking the same, same kind of beans, Porchlight Blend. Um, but this time I've been going back and forth between the V60 and the Chemex because my wife has kind of, she's been on a, uh, cold brew kick for a while and now she's on like the, uh, oh, I want like hot coffee. So when she wants hot coffee, I'll make it on the Chemex, but yeah, it's not bad. I, I still like it. And, um, yeah, usually as, as the temperatures get warmer, I try to do an ice pour over mm -hmm. on the V60. So I got to. I got to refine that again because you can find recipes online, but uh, that's something that I like, especially in the afternoon, get you, get you that second buzz that you need, <laughs> so to speak. Good question. So when you're doing the, the ice pour, do you put the ice in the, the, uh, the beast in your um, glass and then pour the ice over, or do you let the coffee chill first then add the ice? Uh, so I put ice in it already. And so that's part of the equation. Mm. And then yeah, you figure out, usually I think it's a little bit more grounds mm -hmm. um, just because it's going to get diluted because of the, the ice cubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a very, um, it's a very unique type of thing, different than just like a regular pour over because there's a little bit more variation. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, I'm drinking, uh, you know, I've been a, a big advocate for Kirk Coffee. Uh, <laughs> I should get an endorsement at this point. Um, Kirk Coffee out of Savannah, Georgia. Uh, I'm drinking there. So they have their new um, Columbia uh, single origin. So I brought a bag uh, earlier this week. And so I've been um, doing a pour over on my Chemex. Uh, so I've been doing that uh, really all week. So that's kind of what I've been drinking today. Um, medium rose, very tasty, not too acidic, just like the perfect um, amount. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do want to start doing some, since it is warmer, it, it was very humid this morning. So I was like, I need to start doing some like ice pour overs as well. Um, so I definitely will be looking at some different recipes to do that. Uh, but yeah, so good times all around. Gotta love the coffee. Yeah, Javen, if you find a recipe, send it to me. I will. I will. I'm yeah, gonna do I'm always down. Summer time for me, so I have more time to like figure out different things. So yeah, nice. Um, so Brianne, can you just give us a little brief overview overview for those that don't know you? And this is this is great for me because again, we haven't officially met, um, but I've seen your social media and your posts and just kind of the positivity that you put out there. And so I'm curious just to give us a brief overview of how you got your start and kind of, you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to go in depth, but the journey to like where you are right now, what's today, June 5th, 2021. I know it's a lot, but you know, as much or as little detail as you would like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start with kind of my upbringing. I was raised in a musical family, which um, depending on who you ask that's been raised in a musical family, that's a blessing and a curse. Um, and my dad was a trumpet player. So he was my first teacher, which I think lasted all of a couple months, if that. Um, and then I lived in Rochester, New York, and, and grew up in Rochester. And um, fortunately, Rochester is full of amazing trumpet teachers. It's kind of incredible. Um, and so from a really early age, I was really lucky in third grade, my dad, um, my, my dad worked at Eastman and um, started asking the people that he knew uh, who the person to teach trumpet was for, especially a third grade girl, he wanted to make sure that that he was really conscious about that choice. And everyone said Herb Smith. So I studied with Herb Smith, who is, I apologize for my dog, Herb Smith um, is third trumpet in the RPO. And I studied with him from third grade all the way until senior year of uh, high school. So he, I always have to like give him credit for partially raising me as well, because <laughs> he really, really um, put some work in, in terms of who I am as a person. So um, he, you know, alongside him and then Wes Nance, who's also in town and ran a um, really great, it still runs a really awesome uh, youth trumpet ensemble. I was just kind of like integrated into trumpet and being a trumpet player from a really early age. And I didn't realize how unusual and how lucky and, and privileged that was. So it's actually really awesome that many of the people that I was in like youth trumpet ensemble with are now also professional trumpet players, uh, professors, performers. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. So from there, I went to my undergrad actually where I teach now. So at Crane at SUNY Potsdam 
and um, started off as a music ed major and then added performance and then got rid of ed. <laughs> so I uh, decided that the band director path was not for me because it takes a really, really special and patient person to, to do that. And I did not have those attributes and I wanted to continue performing. So um, I studied with John Ellis, um, who's now my predecessor, and he was playing in Ottawa at the time. Um, and he had been here when he retired last year, he'd been here for about 36 years. So um, really awesome amount of time here at Crane. I then went on to my master's at the University of Colorado, where I got to play in the graduate brass quintet. Um, and that's where I got my yoga teaching certification as well in Boulder. Um, in my undergrad, I developed injuries, performance related injuries, and then dealt with a lot of performance anxiety and yoga was really a saving grace for me. So I knew that when I went off to my master's that I wanted to have that be a part of it. CU also has this really amazing musicians wellness program. So I was really attracted to that. They've got an onsite therapist, they have Alexander Technique classes, they have uh, really everything. And they, once I became certified, they were the first people to trust in me to teach a yoga for musicians class. So that was really, really awesome. Um, and then I went on to my doctorate and uh, studied with Hickman at ASU. So um, I, when I went into my doctorate, it was kind of obvious what I wanted my research topic to be. Um, it, it was kind of no, no questions about it. I wanted to do something on yoga for musicians. So um, I continued doing that. I also taught a class at ASU on movement for musicians. I um, was able to teach and be a TA um, for a couple of years there as well. And I actually graduated a year ago. So I got my doctorate a year ago and a couple months later um, stepped into this job. So I, I didn't know I was going to have this job. I was getting ready to leave Arizona. Um, all I knew is that I wanted to leave Arizona. I loved it. I had a really fabulous time there, but after five years of 120 degree summers, it was really time to go and I wanted to make my way back east. So um, I had been planning on just trying to find somewhere to be where I could freelance potentially and, and build a private studio. Um, and then uh, ended up making my way through the interview process with this job and and got the offer almost exactly a year ago. So. Um, was able to move here and I just completed my first year of full-time college teaching. So Congrats. <laughs> thank <That's> you. <laughs> what a year to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about the COVID situation with everything. That's a tough transition. I mean, taking a job that, you know, when you did your undergrad, you're taking over for your, your former teacher. And so I'm sure there's, you felt maybe some pressure in all of that. Yes. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, like what, because I, I, I don't know what that's like to like take over for your former teacher at your undergraduate. Like, what was that like? Terrifying. Um, it's really, it, you know, I had a, I think I had an advantage because I had a really distinct understanding of how students were used, what the expectations were, how the studio operated. Um, I will say that because of that, I think, especially in my first semester, it almost held me back because I felt so much pressure to like step exactly into his footsteps and into his shoes and and do things the way he did them. And as much as uh, a lot of pedagogy gets passed down from teacher to teacher, 
if it's not resonating with you, it could have resonated with somebody else and done and been really effective and great. But if it doesn't feel like it resonates with me, students know that and they see that and they're not going to care or listen, you know? So um, there, there was definitely a little bit of pressure. He never put any of that on. I, I, I'm really lucky that he's, um, John Ellis is like my number one biggest cheerleader in the trumpet world. He has like the most faith in me and never once, you know, advised me to do something without me specifically being like what the heck do i do in this situation so um i felt really fortunate for that and it, it was an interesting year too because uh three-fifths of the brass department was all brand new so we were all visiting professors for um this past year so there was a lot of just newness and experiencing things for the first time but i think ultimately there was a lot of um, advantage and and I'm grateful to have had the experience of of knowing Crane. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So could you talk about, um, you know, for in terms of like your other teachers that you worked with over the years, some of like the, the biggest takeaways you've had from either the teacher themselves or from the school or the degree that you're getting? Yeah, yeah. Um, at Colorado, my biggest takeaway, honestly, was in the um, graduate brass quintet. Bill Stanley, who's the trombone professor, uh, he coached us both of my years, and I really uh, align and and um, feel I resonate with his pedagogy quite a bit. So I'll do things that I don't even realize, and then I look back on it, and I'm like, oh, I learned that from Bill Stanley, I think. <laughs> So, so that was great. And it was just being in working in that really close environment with four other brass players. I mean, we were expected to meet 10 hours a week at least. Um, and so it was a lot of, a lot of contact time. And with that, as one could expect, there are ups and downs and it was mostly ups. And those people are some of uh, my closest friends still to this day, but uh, definitely has some has some challenges and really taught me just like working with people and being around people and uh, I tend to be uh, stubborn and strong headed I <laughs> i'm a trumpet player so <laughs> you know it it really taught me to decide when to pick my battles what what is really like worth. standing up for and what is worth just being like let's keep the peace and everything's going to be fine and no one will care about this tomorrow. So I learned, I feel like I learned a lot of interpersonal skills while I was at Colorado. I think that really helped me. And then at ASU, um, where do I begin with Dave Hickman? Because <laughs> I feel like I just, to even be in his presence is like, somehow secretly reading a trumpet encyclopedia at all times. So similarly, you know, I, I'll be teaching and I'll think of something and I'm like, how did I even have that knowledge? I don't remember studying that or I don't remember being tested on that, but I'm like, I know that that came from him. I know that that came from Dave. So um, I just learned so much about the trumpet and about trumpet pedagogy and i feel like i really had not a great understanding of like really 
what it is to teach and to what the different kind of problem solving methods could be with different students. I always went very intuitively and I feel like I just gained this massive toolbox of information of how the trumpet works and how trumpet players work and um, different different techniques that I can use to to make my students better. So that's that's like the biggest, biggest takeaway and just, you know, being around him and his students is, you know, I think I got so much better in just my first year there because I was suddenly surrounded by other people who I was like, oh, I got to step it up. Okay, <laughs> we can do that. We can do that. So, yeah. Awesome. I love that. Um, can you talk a little bit, you mentioned before, like the musician's wellness and the yoga. Um, can you dig into that a little bit deeper and then how to maintain a sustainable you know, music career within that? I also too am dealing with a performance related injury. So hearing you talk about this stuff kind of makes me perk up a little bit because this is something that has kind of become a passion for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, can you just elaborate a little bit about that? And you also mentioned that I think it was in your undergrad, you started kind of getting into yoga. Is that when that passion kind of started or were you doing yoga before you got, you started dealing with injuries? Yeah, um, all of the above. So I was really fortunate to be raised by my mom practices yoga and uh, she started taking me probably to weekly classes. I wanna say I was in middle school, like seventh or eighth grade. She started taking me. I don't think I necessarily loved it, then I don't think I disliked it, but I more just enjoyed spending time with my mom. Um, and so I had been introduced to yoga already, but I also had these like very much like teenage girl thoughts of like she would go and meditate and I'd be like, why are you going to go and stare at a wall? What is the point? You're like leaving the house to go somewhere and stare at the wall. I don't understand. Uh, and now I have a daily meditation practice. <laughs> so um, she she kind of just introduced me to it and then i came to college and my freshman year i did what happens to a lot of freshmen in music school which is i went from playing in high school maybe two hours a day on a good day like when i had youth orchestra rehearsal or whatever to being in wind ensemble jazz ensemble brass ensemble brass quintet like literally everything i could get my hands on and playing six hours a day without practicing um, and my body was just not able to do that. It wasn't conditioned to do that. The trumpet's not a super heavy instrument, but if you're holding it up for, you know, six hours a day, it's going to start to fatigue. So I almost immediately developed tendonitis in my shoulders and lateral epicondylitis in my forearms. So um, that's also known as tennis elbow. And I started going to a physical therapist and she was like, she, I mentioned in passing that my mom made me do yoga or something and she was like you should really go back and um i actually so my trumpet teacher john ellis his partner her name's marcia baxter she um was also a really big mentor to me and she was on the music education faculty and um her and i started going to yoga together so it became this like ritual where we would go to yoga. This is a very small town. So there was at the time there was no yoga studio. There was one yoga teacher that taught through the arts council. 
Um, and she was awesome. She's no longer here, but she was awesome. And I just became totally addicted to it. And I started seeing these differences in how I held my body, um, how strong I was, uh, what my posture looked like. And then the things I didn't expect was like, suddenly I'm not so anxious on stage. Like I, I was always dealing with performance anxiety and assuming that that was just my life. Like just assuming that that was something that I always had to fight through forever. Like I would get the shaky jaw, the dry mouth, like it, it, I got all the bad things. And, um, I think one time I performed for studio and I was like, that didn't happen. <laughs> and I was breathing like I do in yoga. And that's just when things started to click. And I said, you know, this, this is some, this is untapped. This is something that this is a connection between this yoga practice and how it's affecting me as a musician. And suddenly I was trying to get every single one of my friends to come and do yoga with me and um, be a, be a part of that. So um, I really just, it became a really normal practice for me and I fell in love with it. And um, when I went off to Colorado, like I said, I then did my um, yoga teaching certification and then um, started kind of digging into the actual science behind like why is this so good why am i feeling more calm on stage why is this working in the way that i feel it working because i'm very kind of i'm very type a in the sense that i like to know that my experiences are validated by research and by science and like you know ended up with a job in academia so it makes a lot of sense but <laughs> um i started just kind of seeing what was already available in terms of studies and there's only one study that's been there at the time there was only one study that had been done and um it was through the kripalu school of yoga and it was done with tanglewood musicians um and so it was actually really cool uh, karen bliznik was a part of that um, study and she was a guest artist at uh cu when i was a student there so she came into the master class and she um I, I love her so much we've she was a guest for my studio this semester and it it's awesome how those those paths that they never stop crossing but um i just totally picked her brain and she was probably thought i was a crazy person but i was like tell me all about it i i need to know about your yoga experience and so i really wanted to um dig a little bit deeper into that so my dissertation was on specifically yoga for musicians and taking the practical application of it so that anybody at any point in time could open my dissertation and my goal is that one day it hopefully will be a book so you don't have to like go on a pro quest to access this but um just like open a page and say i want a sequence for performance anxiety i want a sequence for shoulder strength i want a sequence for stretching my wrists and anybody can do it and it makes sense and it doesn't the first half of it has the kind of like researchy this is what yoga is this is the history this is why we need it all of that stuff but the second half of it, I just wanted something that people can actually use, um, you know, so so many dissertations and I and I understand why are written and then like put away for the rest of, of their lives, you know, and that's okay and I get it, but I, I wanted this to be it was really a passion project for me so um, I did that and on top of all of that, I started developing these workshops and clinics and master classes that I took to different universities and conferences that I was able to um, present on 
um, digging a little bit deeper into it. So like musculoskeletal health specifically, and what are the injuries? Um, right now, I'm actually in the middle of a, I'm towards the end of conducting a um, IRB approved study with uh, two music ed faculty at San Diego State. And um, we are teaching yoga once a week to music educators. So we're studying the effects of yoga specifically on music educators, specifically in the middle of a pandemic. So it's been really uh, interesting and I'm excited to see once we start digging into the data and all of that, what, what comes of that. So I kind of just ranted and I hope that I answered at least one of your questions. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's good. I think, um, gosh, I think that's amazing. And, and I encourage you to keep pressing with that because this is something Again, that through my path right now, my journey, I'm finding this stuff is pretty prevalent in our field. It just, yes. it's kind of not a lot of people are talking about it, um, but the ones that are kind of shedding light on it and kind of making it okay to talk about these kind of things. And um, so I'm wondering too, you know, as you started doing yoga, as you started focusing on this, you know, one of the things that I find is we think, okay, if I do this, it should happen pretty quickly. Like, okay, I'll do these exercises and I'm, I should be back. I should be good to go. Um, I mean, sometimes in, when we teach trumpet and pedagogy, we're like, oh, do this. And it's like, okay, that worked, cool. And then you're good to go. But with something that is an injury or you're, you're trying to rewire your brain essentially or, or stuff like that, did you notice it took a while um, for your body to process the information, for your body to cling to the the new form, the new structure, the things that you're trying to get it to do? Or was it a pretty quick transition for you and healing? It depends. Um, it, it definitely depended. For me, um, because I was doing yoga on top of the physical therapy, and I was in physical therapy like twice a week. So it, I was really determined because I, I was one of those people that was told uh, to take a break from playing. And I was, I basically said, absolutely not. <laughs> That's not an option. Uh, uh, so my, my philosophy uh, for better or worse has always been like, okay, I'll just do more of whatever is good. I'll just, so I'm in physical therapy twice a week instead of once a week. Like, how can I do more and get to the result that I want to get to? Um, so within a year, my injuries mostly went away and um, they still they still have uh, some effect on me at times there's some things you know your body doesn't forget right like it we really will continue to experience things and depending on how bad the injury is it it will talk i i always you know use the metaphor of them like talking to me speaking to me because <laughs> they they're just like hey don't do that hey that feels bad you know like that's how it feels so um depending on the severity of the injury, it will come back from time to time. And that's usually when I have not been taking care of myself, because I, I think it's important to always acknowledge that, you know, I teach yoga, I've taught yoga, I've taught wellness, I preach a lot of this stuff. Like one of the classes I teach at Crane is wellness for musicians, uh, but it's a constant practice. It's not like I studied it and figured it out. It is like, I studied it, I understand it, and I still struggle. So I can only imagine how people who don't understand it and don't have the, this information and these, these tools feel. So um, I go weeks without doing yoga or taking care of myself. You know, we, 
we all experienced April, like April is rough. So, you know, like at least, at least at, at Postam, April is a rough month and it's busy. And so it's like, I go, I experience these moments of not taking care of myself. And that's always when the injuries speak, speak up again. So it's kind of a lifelong experience for me. Yeah. I think that's important too, because sometimes we think, okay, if I do this thing, it's done. It's, yeah. it's, you know, and you mentioned too, it's somebody was telling me like your brain, it keeps score. Like your body keeps score of things, you know, whether or not you want to, you want to believe it or not. And uh, that's something that I've gone through. And also just the fact of, uh, you know, it's, it's what you're giving your thoughts um, attention to, you know, it's like, okay, I feel this thing flare up and it's like, am I going to focus on that? Or am I going to focus on the things that are going to help reduce that inflammation or, or things like that. And like you said, the daily practice, I love that too, because it, it is like a conscious daily thing, just like eating healthy, sleeping, working out all that. So yeah. that, yeah. And, and you saying all that. practicing the trumpet. I mean, that's the great thing in teaching wellness to musicians is like, we do understand the importance of a daily practice because, you know, I can't, when somebody's hesitant after their first yoga class or after their first wellness session, I kind of say to them, okay, but if you quit after what you sounded like the first time you picked up a trumpet, you wouldn't be where you are now. So like, we can't expect to pick up the trumpet in fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever, and be playing Artunian Carnival of Venice, like whatever it might be. At the same thing as with yoga, just the more that we are adults, the less we like to be beginners. So our ego gets really uh, wrapped up in something that doesn't feel natural or um, something that we're not used to. So yeah, there's so much importance to that daily practice. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. definitely something that we're not good at. We're, we kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. So I know we've talked a lot about um, using yoga in, in your wellness for musicians, um, but you serve as the, the co-owner and CEO of uh, your virtual yoga studio, Yoga for All Musicians. Yes. Tell us a little more about that organization. Is it something that anyone can join in the country or is it, you know, a region or, you know, how, how can people find out more information about that? Yeah, anybody anywhere can join. Um, we, so... I, we opened a little over a year ago uh, before I knew where what I was going to be doing with my life. I <laughs> decided to start a business. And so um, I, I throughout my time presenting at um, conferences and universities on yoga for musicians, I met two other women who were doing basically similar things. And um, it's uh, Amelia Rosenberger, who's a trombonist um, from Dallas, and then Claire Howard, who's a flutist, and she's actually also in Texas at Lubbock. And um, they were both doing the same thing. And so I knew that I wanted to be offering yoga classes specifically to musicians. And I, I saw an opportunity of we could continue along our own paths and do our own thing and somehow like be competitors or we could come together and figure out this together. So it's been really awesome. Um, so the, they co-own the studio with me. We also have six other teachers that are all musicians and trained to teach yoga and or meditation. Um, so we have right now 17 classes a week and they're all virtual. They're all on Zoom. 
Um, Sundays are always free. So our Sunday class is a community class and it is 100% free every single week, no matter what. Um, it's really awesome because of the nature of things being virtual that we have, like last week, we had somebody in our class from South Africa, somebody from China, somebody in Canada, somebody in, like we were, I think Switzerland, like we were, we, it, we're really astounded with <laughs> with our reach and and honored because uh, you know one thing we struggle with too is time zones obviously so we mostly base our things in central time zones but we'll be doing something in the evening and our student in China is like starting her day with it and it's it's just really cool so um it's been really 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 awesome to keep that going we also now we have a platform to do a lot of the clinics and stuff that I was doing on my own. Now we are kind of doing them together at universities or um, for different different conferences and stuff, which has been really awesome to team up and learn from each other because we all have different backgrounds and yoga trainings and how we've implemented it. So awesome. Yeah. So you know, someone's listening to, you know, this podcast and it's all right, I definitely want to sign up for that. Like, is the website yoga for all musicians or? That is exactly it. Yep. <laughs> yoga for all musicians.com. Um, and we, we mostly, we live on our website and on our Instagram. Those are kind of like our two, our two homes and our Instagram is also yoga for all musicians. Awesome. Cool. That's great. Well, I'm gonna definitely check that out. I need to, I need to, you know, I need to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been awesome. And we've had some some people, you know, it, it's connected me to people that I don't know if I otherwise would have crossed paths with or like there's been a few. Uh, uh, there have been a few students that come into class that I get a little starstruck by <laughs> and I, like, I can't tell you like legally can't probably can't can't release any names, but I just like how this person came to me for the like. <laughs> A little scary but it's been great that's awesome yeah so um all right you just finished your first year of teaching can you talk about just i mean wow what an incredible first year you probably won't ever forget that but you know some of the things that you've learned takeaways um i mean i assume i would think like after surviving a year like this you're like okay if i can get through this yeah. come at me, you know, that kind of thing. So what were some takeaways from this year, your first year teaching? Um, yeah, just stuff that you're just like, I'm glad I went through this experience and now I'm equipped stronger, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting because I definitely feel like you said, like, okay, I made it through 2020 to 2021 school year I can do anything <laughs> like that is yeah. that is a little bit of the feeling that I have but I also have this feeling of next year is going to feel like another first year mm -hmm. because I didn't do any classroom teaching I, I mean I did one-on-one -on -one lessons but um I was also teaching our trumpet techniques class so I was teaching a couple of um bigger classes and uh my musicians wellness class and it was all virtual and I'm like standing in front of 15 students is not something that I've had to do yet. So um, I feel like there's going to be a, still a little bit of newness, but I'm really glad to have um, experienced it. I think that I was really forced to get creative in terms of 
what teaching looks like, what the expectations are of me as a teacher, as a mentor. Um, the recital that I put on was entirely, I called it like free of collaboration. So it was a combination of pre-recorded stuff um, and live, but unaccompanied and, and that kind of stuff that I never would have been pushed to do if it weren't for this year. I probably would have been playing Haydn and, you know, like I probably would have stuck with the standards, but instead I'm somehow playing like trumpet one and trumpet two on a piece with electronics and you know so it's a to it was a totally different experience than I than I would have had otherwise and I'm really grateful for that and um, I touched on this a little bit earlier but I the one thing that I um, really feel like I took away from it because of stepping into my own teacher's office like literally sitting in the office that I took lessons in for four years I um started it really wanting to to fill his shoes and also with this like great awareness of being um one of if not the youngest faculty member in the school of music uh a lot of the a lot of my colleagues were my professors at one point in time and you know they were really welcoming and and kind but i i felt i put this added pressure on myself to um act a certain way or like be be maybe i don't want to say stricter but just like what what it, be the experience that i had from professors in my undergrad and my second semester i kind of thought about it and reflected a little bit more and realized that the more i trust in myself and just be me the more my students are going to uh, benefit from that. And instead of trying to be what I experienced as a student, how can I bring myself and my knowledge that I do have and like trust in my knowledge and in my training and in my experience um, and, and bring that with my own flavor to it. And it's good to have the knowledge of what they're used to or what they're expecting. But I had to remind myself that I probably, one thing I have going for me is that I'm young and is that I have new information and new knowledge and I haven't been at the school for, you know, decades because I can bring in all of this other stuff that I experienced away from the school. So um, when I did that my second semester, it felt just so much more natural and so much um, it, it just felt more comfortable uh, between I think me and I mean, you'd have to ask my students who knows but but you know i think that they they felt that too so um i'm just looking forward to kind of stepping into that on my own more and more and more as i move into next year absolutely yeah that's cool yeah i can only imagine you know i i'm in my second year so my first semester was kind of normal and then everything kind of shut down the second semester so uh although i i wasn't stepping into a new job like you in the middle of a pandemic but you know i i definitely empathize to, to some degree with what you yeah. experienced um so i i do have a, a selfish question so i i know um that you are you know part of the founders of this new group called the nova trumpet collective 
Um, so I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that, that group, you know, the mission, you know, what you see as um, the vision for this, this organization, for this it's a massive group of, uh, of trumpet players. And obviously I'm fortunate enough to, you know, be a part of that, that group. So I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, again, this is a selfish question for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, we're really excited about it. So it's, it's going to be awesome. I was approached by Buddy um, a few months ago about this. So Buddy, it, Buddy Deschler is a good friend of mine. Um, we, when, when he came to ASU, he's currently finishing his doctorate at ASU. Um, but we know it never overlapped in terms of being in classes at the same time. So I was still there, but ABD and so, but we, we connected and he, you know, made me actually still feel very welcome in the trumpet studio, even though I was very much not involved at school anymore and just trying to finish the dissertation. But, um, we became really close friends and, uh, he had been talking to Nyram about um starting a trumpet ensemble potentially or something like it and we have been noticing that there are some really awesome trumpet ensembles out in the world and i uh, don't want to knock them by any means because they're doing a really 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 awesome job um but as with everything right now there is a need for um highlighting and acknowledging underrepresented voices within our worlds. Um, and the trumpet world is definitely one of those a lot of I have not had a collegiate teacher um, that wasn't a white man. Um, and, and so, you know, I was fortunate to study with Herb as my very first teacher, but I, we've all had those experiences. I've never studied with a woman in my entire life. Um, so that's something that we were really passionate about highlighting. And um, I always want my students. So when I look at my studio and who I'm bringing in as guests or who I'm recommending, I want every single one of my students to be able to find a guest or a mentor or a uh inspiration or a musician that they resonate with, that either they feel like they align with in values or that they look like, or that they have similar experiences with, because I know I can't bring that to them. So how can I find different ways to highlight people who could? Um, so I think that, you know, both Buddy and Nyram were, were on the same, uh, wavelength with that and so they they approached me in terms of just knowing that i like projects and <laughs> that this is something that i am interested in another research project of mine right now with one of my colleagues here at school is actually on the experience of gender bias within brass faculty at um, universities so um, that's been something that i've been digging into aside from all my wellness stuff and this just felt like a perfect opportunity to bring people together and we have killer players. It's like incredible. I can't believe it. Uh, it. It's, I feel so fortunate that people are willing to do this and say yes, they're like busy, busy, busy people. So um, we're really excited to present something and then to hopefully our mission is to make music, particularly by underrepresented composers. Um, and then also get into schools if we can or start some educational initiatives so that we're uh, 
being seen by younger trumpet players. So we really want want to be um, hopefully role models, teachers, mentors for as many people as we can. So um, that's what it's looking like right now. But yeah, the the hope is to one day make music in person. I know we will very soon, but um, for now we've got some projects that are going to be um, in the works very soon. So, right, I'm just excited to have launched it and be like highlighting all of all of the awesome trumpet players that are part of it. So, and, and, and if you're, you don't know the Nova Trumpet Collective, you certainly check out the uh, Instagram uh, page who's, you know, highlighting each musician from the group, or you can go to the website novatrumpets.com. Yes. Where it has, you know, every member of the mission, you can read a little more about the organization there. Um, so that's really cool. I and I'm happy again, selfishly. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to be a part of it and, and see where it goes. So yeah, there's a lot of great players. So I'm I you know I don't know most of the people on a part of the group. So I'm really excited to meet everybody. And yeah, and it, we were super intentional too about you know like I remember we we would have a couple of meetings and we we did we did a little bit of like Instagram and YouTube stalking and like <laughs> let's hear these people play and just make sure because you know that's another thing to be aware of also is making sure that we're not doing any sort of tokenism or or anything like that and that what we're doing is highlighting like really incredible people musicians um teachers so and and almost everybody is a teacher of some capacity um at a university for the most part so it's it's really awesome <laughs> I, I just like i'm still in awe that everyone said yes <laughs> so <laughs> so i mean as you've said today you're you're working on a, a lot of different projects you know research yoga you know the trumpet collective like how do you maintain the balance between work and you know life and you know so that you're not like pulling yourself too thin yeah that's a good question that's a good question that's a question that i get a lot because yeah as you have heard i'm like i have projects going on at all times and i love it i do think that i um, I am just somebody where my I'm thriving. I'm at my best when I have a million things going on. Uh, that's as long as I'm still taking care of my mental health. Uh, so, so part of it is like honestly, I think just a personality trait. Like I'm just I I really just enjoy doing things. I don't know what to do with myself with free time. Like I remember at the end of summers in college, I would be like, I'm bored, can I go back to school? Like, I just, I would get so bored having free time. And so I've really gotten rid of all free time that I could possibly have. Um, I also am really fortunate to just love every project that I take on. So I've, I've stopped saying yes to things that aren't going to fill my cup so that I do have the space to take on projects. And then it doesn't feel like as much doesn't necessarily feel like work. Um, I will also say that I have the privilege. Well, I, I I don't know if this is privilege, but like I live by myself. I have my dog. I I you know I've got really awesome friends, but um, I'm I don't have necessarily other people kind of depending on me to for their livelihood or for their their thing. So I think it it helps that I am at this point uh, just really 
prioritizing my needs and my wants and my dreams. And I don't think that that's sustainable and that's not what I want to do for my entire life, but that's where I'm at right now in my career. And I do hope that one day I slow down a little bit <laughs> because I think that this is, this is a challenge, but um, yeah, I just love it. I think that that's, that's the biggest thing is loving it and knowing that, knowing how to manage my time and when to stop because there are some times like I do have to schedule in I'm so scheduled that I'm like okay I am not working on Saturday this week like I have to tell myself to not work um, and to not do, not do specific things so that that is a very big part of it is actually planning my breaks which sounds counterintuitive but that is I think that's a really big way that I can still manage it and feel like I am understanding how to keep going, but pause because that's super essential for my mental health too. Absolutely. You know, I have my students do a schedule at the beginning of every semester. So I want you to even write in your breaks. So like, you know, it's like this time is my me time, you know? Yes. Uh, so yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, yeah. Great. Well, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another part or segment, as we call it in this podcast, is sharing maybe some, some music that we're listening to, even you could even add books or podcasts as well that you think might be beneficial. So um, Brianne, let's start with you. Are you listening to any new music or what have you been listening to or checking out that you think listeners might enjoy or yes. worthwhile? I have a, I've got a list. Well, I'll start with music. Right now I'm listening to a lot of uh, Janelle Monet. Love, yeah. love her. Um, and then also new Taylor Swift, <laughs> I'm all about. Um, in terms of uh, books, actually, I'm gonna throw it out there because I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I really, um, that's, that's one of my me time things is to like take my dog for a really long walk and put on an audiobook. Uh, and because you almost said these exact words earlier um this book the body keeps the score is a really 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 awesome awesome book it's how trauma and experiences are stored within our body um and and how we how we kind of have like an emotional footprint in our physical body which is really just if anybody's interested in kind of some of that stuff that we were talking about earlier highly recommend that um and then one of my favorite authors is Glennon Doyle. She wrote this book, Untamed, that came out this time last year. And it got a lot of, uh, it, it is, I'll say in general, it speaks primarily to women. Um, I think that anybody could get anything out of it, but she kind of became a, like this, this really uh, role model for a lot of women, I think, especially through the difficulty of the pandemic. And she just came out with a um, podcast, which is, really great and I think anybody could and should listen to it so highly recommend um it's called we can do hard things awesome awesome oh I'm definitely gonna check that out uh especially the the uh body keeps score book I never yeah. heard of it so yeah I definitely have to read that yeah I wrote that down <laughs> <laughs> so what are you listening to Tyler uh yeah so this week actually I was checking out uh Justin Bieber's new album <laughs> Justice yeah, because uh, I heard his um, his tiny desk or like his NPR yeah. version of it. And I was like, OK, it's interesting to see like his transformation over the years and stuff. Um, and then actually there's I can't remember the name of the album, but 
I brought I brought him up before Corey Asbury. I've been listening to some of his older stuff. It was actually like a decade ago that it came out, but I remember I was a senior in high school listening to it. Mm. And um, I guess I would have been over a decade ago, but <laughs> I remember, yeah, I was a senior in high school. And so like you listen to it and it brings back memories, you know, of like what I was doing in my life and this and that. And, um, you know, where I'm at now and the challenges and struggles and, and victories that I'm going through and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And um, I just finished a book this past week it's called late bloomers um and it talks about kind of the world and how it's obsessed especially in america with like early achievers and people that you know come out of the gates in high school getting to these ivy league schools or these prodigies and how we obsess about that and yet you know so many people it's like a delayed gratification thing they don't bloom into themselves until like their 30s and like 20s 30s things of that nature and how there's a lot of pros into that. And we also see a lot of people that bloom super early or have a lot of early success and kind of like the downfalls that they see because it's like, you know, their mid twenties. And we see this with athletes too, you know, they retire at 25 or, you know, their late twenties and they're like, well, what do I do? This is all I know. And musicians experience that as well, I think to certain degrees, but yeah. So that book has been uh, really interesting to read and there's a lot of research in it. So that's, that's been good. But uh, what about you, Javian? So uh, I earlier this week and some of the, the week prior, I, I listened to the new J. Cole album. Um, oh, but... yeah. yeah. <laughs> big... I, uh, I saw it on YouTube, like uh, some of his stuff. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of J. Cole. Kind of like J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. That's kind of like mm-hmm. my vibe um, in terms of like, you know, rap, hip hop. Um, so I, I, I listened to his full album. I was driving somewhere, so I just like played the whole thing uninterrupted. So good times. Highly recommend it. Um, the hype is real. Uh, it's funny like to see him, you know, release his album and then go overseas to play professional basketball. Um, so yeah, uh, J. Cole's great. Uh, so definitely check that out if, you know, that's your jam, if you like rap hip hop. Um, uh, a book that I, I, so I'm in this, this book club with uh, a few friends of mine who's, we're all kind of spread out across the country. Um, so this one book, I, I'm a big history buff. I really like history. Um, so this book by um, Howard Zinn called A People's History of the United States is uh, a book that we read in this, this book club. And I highly recommend it. It's kind of a re-examination of American history. And it, it starts from like basically Christopher Columbus all the way to like the early 2000s. Um, Howard Zinn was a professor at um, Boston University. Um, he, he's passed away since, but um, you know, he's, you know, giving all this, I don't want to call it a, a better sense of what happened in, in the United States history, but we, I think we all understand how history can be uh, whitewashed to some degree or um, in the words, I would say sometimes the victors get to write history. So it's kind of uh, a, a truer sense of like what's happening. Um, so I, I would definitely recommend if anybody's, you know, really interested in history, check out uh, Howard Zinn's A, People, uh, a People's History of the United States. Um, definitely a good read. Uh, so that's why I'm reading. That's why I'm listening to uh, or what I listened to this week. Uh, so yeah, good times all around. Um, 
but yeah, so I, but before we wrap up, I want to thank um, Brianne so much for joining us today. I, I learned so much in, in, in talking to you today. Um, and if any of you um, have access to the ITG conference, definitely check out her, her presentation and check out Tyler Duncan's presentation. He's talked, he talked about his journey through what he's experienced with uh, overcoming his injury. Um, and if you want to check out my presentation, I gave one too. Um, <laughs> but that's not important. Definitely check out Tyler's and, and, and Brianne's presentation. Uh, great stuff, really, really fantastic stuff. Um, so Brianne, people wanna follow you on Instagram or wherever, where can they follow you? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find just at Brianne Borden. Um, so that's, that is fine with me. Um, I, if, if anybody wants to add me on Facebook, they can, but I'll be honest The for some reason, I don't know what happened because I don't think it has anything to do with, with me, but some Facebook algorithm thing happened where I'm like constantly flooded with Facebook friend requests from people I've never heard of. I, I have 800 pending right now. So if somebody wants to be my friend on Facebook, like send me a message and tell me just to accept it because I'm, I'm at a hard ignore uh, state right now. For I don't know what is going on with the algorithm, but uh, definitely Instagram, I'm super easy to find. And that's where I'm the most responsive anyway, so. Awesome. And Tyler's on his social media hiatus, which is great. Still on it. Six months going strong. Love Good it. for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you, people want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at nerdyprof or on Facebook, just my name, Jamie Brabham, super easy. Um, so we want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Coffee and Clarks. And we hope to um, subscribe to our podcast on YouTube at Coffee and Clarks and on Apple Podcasts at Coffee and Clarks. Uh, please give us five stars if you if you enjoy the show. Hopefully you do. Uh, share, like, send it to your friends, send it to everybody. And we hope to have new episodes out really, really soon. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>